You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small-town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome in, guys, to another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, Mile High, hello, first things first. How are we doing, man? We've got training camp right around the corner. Things are starting to ramp up in the NFL. I mean, there's lots of news coming out. We've got the Kyler Murray uh, extension that just happened yesterday that we can kind of break down a little bit, talk about how that can go into Russell Wilson and his deal here soon. Um, players going on uh, the physically unable to perform list and stuff like that. Like the Broncos news is definitely coming right around the corner. Training camp opens up next Wednesday, dude. Are you excited? How are you doing, my friend? Well, I'm surprised you didn't mention the biggest news for the Broncos that's actually come out. August 9th. That's the de- that's the date for the ownership change to be, you know, all done and everything like that. Um, which is big news. It's gonna meet lead for a very exciting training camp that opens up here, I believe, in this next week. Yep, next um, Wednesday. Yeah. So it's 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 a good time, Mike. And as for me, I'm doing great. It's finally stopped raining. It rained here for like two weeks straight, which was really annoying. Uh, but it's nice it's sunny out, which is good for all the dip netters because dip netting's going on. But from what I hear, it's been a slow time on the river, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here talking Broncos football as we start diving into uh, training camp in the time of the, you know, the lack for a better term, the dead air time of where we're trying to struggle for conversation topics a little bit is soon to be over, which is always great to have. Yeah, it's it's amazing to be able to actually talk some real Broncos news, real football news in general. Um, I, I kind of have an idea up my sleeve. I'm going to hold off on that. And Eric, I want to talk to you privately about that um, just a little bit with uh, in regards to Saturdays and stuff like that. But um, th- yeah, the, the NFL is starting to come back full ramp up and everything. We've got obviously a training camp news, the, the dead season's over, the seasons of the, of the list, the top fives, the Mount Rushmore's and stuff like that. Finally winding down, we're going to get into the, some actual news and stuff. And honestly, this is really the last part of what we, you know, kind of have to do as far as the dead season, projecting how this, this Broncos team is going to shape up here in 2023. So today we're going to get into the quarterbacks, the running backs, and then the special teams units, uh, kicker, punter, 
um, stuff like that. That little bit of conversation there, but mainly the focus today, quarterbacks, running backs, all of your guys' questions. So guys, please get your super chats in. Please get your stars donations in on Facebook. Any questions you guys have about this roster, we're going to dive into that a little bit. We'll go long form more into wide receivers and tight ends probably next week and maybe a little bit of the offensive line. Um, the week after that, we'll go with the defensive front seven, round things out with the secondary the week after that, and just kind of break down all the news and notes and whatnot on how Eric and I perceive this Broncos 53-man roster is going to kind of shape up. But before we get into that, guys, want to say hello to everybody here in the chat. We've got Greg Smith saying hello over on Facebook. Good evening, Broncos country. Kathy Lund waving hello. Uh, Dylan Von Arch doing his things back behind the scenes, helping us moderate the chat and whatnot. Hello, everybody. K-Hop in the house as well. Uh, is Montreal Washington the gunner? I don't know about gunner, but probably a, a return guy. We'll talk about him probably here in just a little bit when we get to the to the uh, specialists and stuff like that, because I think that there's a, a fun conversation with Montreal Washington, with uh, with Mike Boone, and also with like a guy, a guy like K.J. Hamler or um, maybe even a cornerback that we can maybe bring up as a, a, a name to potentially turn as a uh, as a punt returner and kick returner. So we'll we'll dump into that here in just a minute. Hi, Kevin. You need to go. You need to go outside. Go, 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 go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh Guys, make sure you get at us on Twitter by following me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Uh, also for Scott, running the ones and twos behind the scenes at Scout Kennedy. Um, also, guys, while you're at it, make sure you're following at DVDD underscore pod. That is our podcast account. You find out what we're talking about every single Friday. Um, and also the big one, guys, the mother account. It's mile high, at Mile High Huddle, where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis regarding everything concerning your Denver Broncos. Um, breaking news, analysis, uh, you'll have pretty much anything regarding the Broncos. You're going to be able to find that at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. Facebook supporters go to uh, Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod and uh, get on that. Com communicate with everybody else here and our wonderful Mile High Huddle community. Great conversations go on over there every single day. Now, Eric, because I still got a, a rug rat crawling around in my room and I'm going to have to mute my microphone so I can get him out of here. First things first, Gary Leeds Palmer jumping in here with a, a generous stars donation. Gary's a great friend of ours on Facebook. Uh, hey, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Lots of good news to talk about. Let's go Broncos and let's ride. Yes, sir, Gary. It's always great to see your wonderful face here in the chat with us. Now, Eric, I want to kind of guide this discussion for you just a second so I can mute and get Kevin out of here. And I do apologize for this, guys. But obviously the quarterback conversation's done. We we know kind of exactly how it's going to shape out, at least at the starter position. We don't have a quarterback controversy. It's going to be Russell Wilson. There's there's no doubt about that. I, I think that his spot is probably the most secure on this roster. Let's dive into this quarterback conversation, though, because I think the backup quarterback conversation actually has a, a very interesting kind of twist to it. So I'll let you take it away from here. Well, I mean, it's great, as mentioned, is that we don't have to really focus or talk about the starting quarterback position. There's no battle going into it. It's Russell Wilson's job. That is great to see, great to have nothing to worry about in there but it does go back to the backup quarterback job and unfortunately we do find ourselves having to talk about that as much as i don't like talking about the quarterback position anyways for me when we're projecting a 53-man roster which is kind of what we're doing here the question always comes down to is how much do you really need that third quarterback and part of that is Russell Wilson. I mean, he's played in 158 games in his career so far out of 161 possible. 
I don't see a need for that third quarterback. I don't think there is. The question is just who is that second one? Is it Josh Johnson or is it Brett Rippon? I would think that no matter what, whichever one doesn't win that backup job probably has a good shot if they don't get claimed off waivers to be on the practice squad. Josh Johnson is eligible because of the changes with the rules for mm-hmm. the practice squad. I, I'm with you on that one. The one thing that gets me um, a, a little bit of like, there's some intrigue to this conversation is the fact that uh, there's a, there's a lot of intrigue or at least some kind of interest around the league in Brett Rippon, just because he has the ability, the, the smarts and the football IQ to come in and step in and at least be able to manage a game for you. We, we saw that with, um, uh, with him playing against the New York Jets a couple of years ago, it may not be the, the best performance. He obviously doesn't have the arm strength and stuff like that that you need, but he can at least come in and write the ship and at least raise the floor of your quarterback room just a little bit. That's the guy that really intrigues me the most is, do you want to lose and lose out on a guy like a Brett Rippon who is probably going to be a coach in the NFL in the next five years. Like he doesn't have the talent alone just to play the game, but he understands the game at an, an entirely unique level. And for, for that, it's like an incredibly valuable piece to have. And Travis Weber jumping in here. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Eric Lance and Scott. Do you see Sam Martin gone? Let's, uh, let's, let, let's go into that really fast. Let's go into the, the Sam Martin conversation before we bounce back to, um, the Brett Ripping, because I, I want your take on that. So with, in the terms of Sam Martin, I mean, the special teams, we can go ahead and just get the that conversation out of here because that was the That's third true. part of this. Too. I mean, there's no competition at kicker, Brandon McManus. There's no competition at long snapper, Jacob Bob and Moyer, who had actually a really good year last year. When I went back and watched him before doing my profile on him, I was actually surprised at how good he did. Granted, I'm still learning on how to evaluate long snappers a little bit and you know figure out the right techniques and stuff like that um but punter that's the only one that's the only specialist section or specialist unit that has that competition going and for me sam martin he's fine he's a little disappointing but he's expensive and corliss waitman no idea what he is i right now i have corliss waitman making the roster simply because of the cost but until we see them in preseason, who knows? It's still Sam Martin's job to lose. Um, and Corliss Whitman will have to go and show that it's not such a huge loss at the punter position going from Martin to him to where the cost of Martin is you know, worth paying for the difference. So I have Corliss Whitman at the moment as the punter, but it's still very much up in the air. The one thing I want to go with here on Sam Martin, first thing, Jody jumping in saying, I want a salary gone. I, I, I'm i there with you on that one. I think that you should go as cheap as you can for the the ability that the player has, and um, especially at the punter position. Specialists, you, I mean, kickers are one thing. Punters are another. Like, if you have an elite kicker like a Brandon, Brandon McManus, you pay him. Pay the guy. Keep him in because kickers are incredibly valuable. Like, the, more often than not, the kicker is the – team leader in points like Jason Elam still leads this team in points because of his ability to kick field goals and extra points. He accounts for the most points of any player on the roster. And there's no debate about that every single season. I mean, unless you have a guy that scores like a 22 rushing touchdowns, like a Ladanian Tomlinson or something like that. uh, However many years ago, your kicker is usually going to lead you in, in, in points. So having a guy that can actually do that at a reliable level, you need to have a quality guy. And when you have one, you pay him. As far as a punter goes, 
the ability to flip the field, pin some teams back and whatnot, you know, uh, situational punting and stuff is, is great to have, but you don't need to spend what I, I don't know if Sam Martin's contract off the top of my head, but it's more than two and a half million, I think. Uh, so I also have a qualm here because I thought Sam Martin was actually fairly decent over the last season. He, like he was very good at, at directional punting, uh, did a great job of keeping the ball out of the end zone. Granted, he had a lot of long fields to punt into, but he did a great job of flipping the field and putting the defense in an, an advantageous, excuse me, uh, situation to me that that I, well, I understand wanting to trim the cost down a little bit. Corliss Waitman has a long way to go to prove that he is better than Sam Martin, who's been a quality NFL punter for a long time in the NFL. Well, the issue with that is kind of what you hit, you, you touched on it, and that is Sam Martin did well because they had the elongated fields to kick from. Mm-hmm. When it got shorter, he struggled. Right, he yeah. struggled to keep it from bouncing into the end zone. He struggled with the proper placement of it on those corner, on a, you know, those corner coffin kick kind of things. So Corliss Whitman, he's going to have to show that maybe he doesn't have as strong of that, you know, straight leg as um, Martin does. Cause I mean, there's no denying that Martin can boom it is can Whitman be a little bit better with the placement, keeping it out there. Cause they're going to be dealing with shorter fields more often. Now going back to um, the quarterback conversation, um, cause there's only so much we want to spend on special teams. The backup job is, I know there's a lot of fans of Brett Rippon, but the thing is, is that he's just not that good. Right. His one start wasn't that good. I mean, he threw what seventy interceptions in that single game. <laughs> um, uh, KB eighty two says with a dollar ninety nine says I hope I pick Rip. He's Simeon with a higher football Q- IQ. Um, I disagree. I mean, there's no doubt that Brett Rippon has a high football IQ, but Simeon was brilliant. Like he, he was really smart. There was constant praise for that, and so it's it's hard to say without sitting down and talking to them. I'm not really sure which ones. But there's a reason why Simeon is still lasting around with it. And um, I mean, he started multiple games, and as bad as he was as a starter, he still showed to be more capable out there on the field than Brett Rippon has. Though, again, more limited sample size there. Um, but Rippon, when he came into the game last year, I can't remember what game it was off the top of my head. I mean, they completely went away from passing because he was just a liability to them. I like Rippon. I like the smarts that he brings to it. But I mean, in the style of offense that you're having, he's not one that can really run those bootlegs that you want to run, those play-action rollouts. He's not one to you know attack deep either because his arm strength is very much a concern. Josh Johnson has plenty of issues, but he can run the offense as is. He's closer to Russell Wilson than that style than Brett Reppin is to where you don't have to make such a drastic change to your offense when there's a change at quarterback. I don't disagree with that at all. I'm actually looking up uh, Josh Johnson right now as we speak because he's been on, I don't know, like 15 different NFL franchises. He's also bounced around um, between the XFL. He was in the USFL, I believe, there as well. Uh, He's just been all over the place because – while he has a lot of tools, there's there's a lot of tools to work with with the guy. He has a, a fairly decent arm. He moves around fairly decently. But he's also old. I mean, like I said, he's been with 15 NFL franchises. I think he's 34, 35 years old. He fits at least with – He just turned 36, so thank you. Yeah. Um, but when he steps onto the football field, he's relatively – I mean – Look at what happened with the the New York Jets just this last season. I mean, he uh, Zach Wilson was was dinged up. Mike uh, 
Mike White, I think, is the backup quarterback's name that, that came and stepped up that had that great game. But then they, they bring in Josh Johnson, and he throws for 300 yards in back-to-back weeks, gets traded to the Baltimore Ravens because they wanted another option uh, after Lamar Jackson went down. And uh, they had Tyler Hunley in there as well. But Josh Johnson came in through another 300-yard game for the Baltimore Ravens this last season. So he's got the experience. He has the understanding of, of how to play quarterback at the NFL level. He may not be the best guy, but in terms uh, like the best player as a backup quarterback in the NFL, he, I, honestly, I'd almost rather have Trevor Simeon to tell you the truth. But in terms of running this offense in what it is, Josh Johnson's the best fit for it. And with the experience that he has, he can come in, help with Russell Wilson, and potentially help with Brett Rippon to help understand the football game even more than he already does. So to me, I think that the, the conversation doesn't go to where the backup is. It comes to whether you're going to keep Brett Rippon on this roster or even in Denver for this next season. Because quite honestly, you may not get a whole lot for him, but if a quarterback goes down in training camp, that's a valuable trade asset for this Broncos team. Yeah, I mean, I think at the very least, barring somebody coming in, blowing it away, that Brett Rippon will make the practice squad. Um, I don't think he's – unless he goes out there and absolutely tears it up in the preseason, then I doubt he gets claimed off waivers. And every year, Bronco fans always have this thing of this, you know, third-string quarterback looks super – or fourth-string quarterback looks super good in preseason, and he's not going to clear waivers and then come out and find out he's clear his waivers. I mean, Brett Rippon did that his first year as a rookie. Like nobody thought he would clear waivers, and there he is. Um, and he's just again, he's just not that good. I mean, um, nothing against him. I really liked him coming out, and I thought he was worth a draft pick for the right offense. I don't think this offense is the right offense for him, no, because it's going to ask him to use this athleticism a little bit more that he doesn't have. I mean, he is smart and he can hit those underneath throws, those short, shallow throws. So, ideally, with how we the offense that we saw, um, being ran last year, those short underneath throws and letting the receivers go make a play. That's what he's built for more because that is what his arm is capable of. He has to have these wide open windows. Um, he's not one for to really, you know, hit those tar- uh, tight window throws. He's not going to really throw it deep. Um, KB came in with, he had three interceptions against the Jets. Yeah. I know the 77 or whatever was hyperbole. Um, and one was, I mean, one of the interceptions was a great play by the defense, what? but so was one of the touchdowns. I mean, we can't ignore that fact either that he almost threw a fourth one that Jerry Judy literally took away from the defense. And I believe there was another almost interception in that game where the defender just dropped it. Um, Just multiple plays like that because the ball took so long to get there. The defender was able to make a play on it. And the Bucks game, he had nine pa- he had nine passes, completing eight of them, which is great, but a lot of them were shorter and shallow. Um, uh, were shorter, shallow passes. I mean, he averaged only not even six yards per attempt that game, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. So it's this thing of like, who are you going to trust more? And this new offense, because Josh Johnson, he's got more tools that fit the offense better. And he's pretty smart guy. I mean, there's a reason like he keeps bouncing around the NFL teams, keep wanting him in the NFL on their team for a reason. 
he's got some decent tools. I mean, he's not a great quarterback. He's not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. Um, neither is Brett Rippon. He's got some smarts. He's got some tools. So again, it's like that's your guy at the backup job, and that seems to be the case and with everything that came out of OTAs and everything so far. Is that it? What seemed to be very clearly Wilson, then Johnson, then Rippon, and yeah, the debate is two or three quarterbacks, which is what I said, and I think that in this case, it is going to be only two quarterbacks with Rippon brought back on the, um, on the on the practice squad. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that. It, it, Correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe that this is Rippon's last year of eligibility on the practice squad. So this is no like because a, of the because of the changes on it. I, there's I, the, the I three. There's still there's only a limited amount of spots on it for it. But you don't have you don't have to have that under three years of accrued seasons to be on. Right. It. Or I think two spots. Right. I, I have two people that are long time veterans. Yeah, I I don't remember the the full breakdown of all the rules and whatnot off the top of my head, but I know that he is pushing towards the end of the practice squad. I I, I think I, I'm probably completely wrong on that, so correct me if if that is if that is needed. I want to jump into this this question here from Mike S because this is relevant to the quarterback conversation. Um, obviously, we saw Kyler Murray sign; it was a, a five year, two hundred and thirty and a half million dollar extension. I think it's forty six and a half million on an average per year basis with 105 total and full guaranteed up to 160 in guaranteed money based on incentives and stuff like that, that are a lot of them are likely to be earned based on rushing. Um, I think there was some passing yardage and stuff like that, but Mike comes in and he asked a, a very good question here. Is Russell Wilson the next big name quarterback to get an, an extension? And there's three guys right now that are knocking on the door of that conversation. You've got obviously Lamar Jackson over in Baltimore. And then the two young studs, one of them was just playing in the Super Bowl in Joe Burrow. And then Justin Herbert, our next door neighbor over in Los Angeles for the Chargers. There's a couple of, there's three obviously big name quarterbacks that are right up for extensions this year. Does Wilson get done before those guys? I mean, I think he gets done before Herbert and Burrow. They are not eligible for an extension until after this season. Right. Um, so I think he gets done before then. Before them. I'm not sure on Lamar Jackson. It sounds like with, I can't remember who it was. Somebody tweeted out just a comment yesterday or the day before. Whenever Kylo Murray's contract came out. Was that yesterday? That it, he was Yes, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. So not long after that, one of the you know big stream media guys in Denver made a tweet that kind of hinted at a um, extension looming for Russell Wilson here soon. Um, I think before the season's done, we have an extension. If not, you know, like out there in the news, that it's agreed upon. And um, So I'm not sure if he's the next big name, but he'll definitely be one of the next big names. And just address this real quick, KB talking about Josh Johnson. There's also a reason he's out of the league for multiple years at a time. Technically, he hasn't been out of the league at all. He's been on the team at least for the offseason and, and for offseason programs every single year. Yeah. Um, going back to 2008. I mean, there's yeah. been a lot of times where it was just the offseason programs aspect of it, but he's never actually been out of the league for a year. So, At least not for a full season. And I, 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 Let me refresh the page here, and, and I'll, I'll get back to that. I want to go, jump back to the Kyler Murray thing. Um, as far as where um, Russell Wilson's at, obviously he's the, the a, a much better quarterback than – uh, Lamar Jackson, he's a, a much better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Even there's a good debate if you want to have it about Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. 
just based on the fact that, I mean, those guys are young. They're playing at an incredibly high level for where they're at. Russell Wilson's at 33 right now. Um, he had the injury last season. The first time he's ever missed games in his, uh, in his NFL career was last year. But at the same time, Russell Wilson's a top 10 easy quarterback, and he's not number 10. He's probably closer to the top seven than, than number 10. Um, but with with Kyler getting that extension that he got, and it, obviously the next guy up, Deshaun Watson, and his deal, which is a monstrosity, to be honest. We're not going to get into that. But Kyler Murray getting a little bit more than Deshaun Watson um, with less guarantees – where does Russell Wilson line up here? Like the, the speculation I've, I've been hearing for a while now is that because of Russell Wilson and his ability um, as that top seven quarterback in the NFL is five years and $250 million fully guaranteed out of the realm of possibility. And there's a wild card in this as well. Eric, I want your, your answer first and I'll present the wild card here in a second. Sorry. What was the question? Uh, is five years and $250 million uh, fully guaranteed for Russell Wilson on the horizon here. Uh, he's better than so. Kyler. He's better than Deshaun. It, like, it, like that would reset the, the quarterback market in a new way. Well, I mean, I think that the conversation was after, you know, Watson got that crappy deal. Well, morally corrupt deal from the Browns, I guess it would be the better way to put it. A lot of people are speculating that all these quarterbacks are going to go for after these full guaranteed deals. Teams aren't going into it. I mean, we saw that with Kyler Murray. I don't think that we'll see that with Russell Wilson. I think we'll continue to see a higher percentage of guaranteed money, but I don't think we'll see another one that's fully, fully guaranteed. Well, the, the wild card that I want to present to you in this is Russell Wilson's agent. So Russell Wilson's agent is Mark Rogers. Um, as everybody should famously know now, Russell Wilson was a baseball player as well. He was a highly drafted baseball player, in fact, by the Colorado Rockies. His agent is Mark Rogers, who only has one NFL client, and that's Russell Wilson. They deal in fully guaranteed contracts. They're very stingy, and they're very strict on what they want with their players at the baseball level. They know that they can get this guaranteed money. So does that factor play a little bit more into this conversation with Mark Rogers potentially wanting to get, I mean, Russell Wilson, like I said, is a better quarterback than Lamar. He's a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. He may be better than Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert as well. D depending on who you ask, I mean, there's a conversation to have there. Mark Rogers has a legitimate claim here to say that, my client deserves a fully guaranteed contract because the atrocity of what Deshaun Watson's was like, is that, does that factor into this to your, in your opinion? What the fact that he's a baseball agent, you know, where the whole salary cap, what salary cap's not a thing in baseball, right? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, part, yeah. I don't know how it is. Like, it's basically, you can go pay whatever you want. You consistently see $500 million deals. Like, no, I don't think that's a factor because it's a completely different, different sport. And right. he knows this because he's already dealt multi or had to um, handle multiple negotiations over contracts in the NFL. I don't think it plays a factor. I think that if anything, again, he's going to ask for a little bit more higher percentage guaranteed than what the average, roughly the average has been. But I don't think he's going to go after a full one. And I don't think that I don't think it'd be smart for him to try to unless Denver was more than willing and Denver approached that subject and him walking up to him being like, well, in baseball, we deal with this. So you guys should too. You'd just be laughed at. And I just think that would be, you know, bad business from the agent. I, I understand your point here. It, it was just something that I've, I've heard as a talking point. So I wanted your opinion on that. I don't think it necessarily factors in very much as well, just in my personal opinion. 
But at the same time, I think that he could potentially push for more more guaranteed years. So with with a guy like Russell Wilson, who we all know is a, a high quality quarterback, say he gets a five year, let's call it two thirty five, five years and two thirty five. Why not see if you can't guarantee the first four years of that, give him 200 million guaranteed. That's a big jump over what Kyler just got in terms of the likely to be likely to be earned guarantees. Like Kyler got 160 or something like that, I, I think is what it, what it shapes up to be. So would Russell Wilson get that fourth year of his deal guaranteed to be 38, 39 years old, potentially at that particular point. So $200 million guaranteed. I don't think that that's necessarily far-fetched. Well, I mean, it's just, I'm, we're saying the same thing just differently. You're talking about in years. Right. I'm talking about just overall percentage of it. Right. That extra percentage could be in that fourth year. Right. Okay. It, well, thank you for clarifying on that. And again, it's a um, a great conversation to have. Travis Weber jumping in here. I actually want to know who is going to be the right side of the offensive line. Well, I can tell you one of those guys, and actually Jody Moncrief jumping in right behind that, Quinn Miners and Billy Turner. That's probably the way it's going to shake out, at least in my opinion. I think Quinn Miners is penciled in right now as a starter at the right guard position. He played well enough this last year, and it, the the – the the profile of his of his pro, like his pro, prospect profile at Wisconsin Whitewater the the athleticism and stuff that he has and just the play that he had last season as a rookie leads me to believe that Quinn Miners is going to be the guy at the right guard position unless something drastic happens Billy Turner is probably the more fun conversation to have because it really is going to be a three way conversation with Billy Turner um, Tom Compton and then Calvin Anderson who the team still continues to be relatively high on from what I understand. Eric, do you have any qualms with that? Well, I think we can go away from, you know, Quinn Miners being penciled in at right guard to he's just in Sharpie. Okay. Um, as for right tackle, it's sounding like that it's it's leaning towards at the moment, Calvin Anderson. Really? With okay. Billy Turner, with Billy Turner and Tom Compton, you know, being there for the backup and also being in contention for the left guard spot, which we've talked about on here a lot. Um, and a lot will depend on what happened with Salton Reisner. They tried trading him during the draft. They didn't really have takers at the time. We'll see what happens for it. And apparently we'll find it found out early because the offense coordinator, Justin Outen, wants to find out who the starting lineup is going to be within the first week of training camp. Hmm. We'll see if okay. that actually happens because, I mean, it would be great to have that happen. But it's going to be uh, – um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out at right tackle, because I think that right tackle will also play an impact on what they do at right at left guard. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think Moody's going to be there for the starting job. I think that he's kind of clearly there for a backup spot. And if Anderson does take it and Billy Turner is still up for grabs, then maybe that can put them, you know, more towards trading away Dalton Reisner. If Billy Turner wins it, maybe they want to keep Dalton Reisner a little bit more. Um, who start who rebounded last year when they started when uh, Pat Shermer started switching more to an outside zone based scheme, mm -hmm. and Reisner improved. Um, so it's a uh, it's a, it's an interesting conversation, and I think that um, as I said, that wanting to find out your starting five when you have so many question marks in the first week is um, concerning. But at the same time, I mean, it's a reason why you want to hope for. And real quick, Jody says, I very much disagree. Moody is your starting left guard based on what? Based off of some practices where there's no pads and limited contact for the block for the offensive line. I mean, like until I see it, I'm not, I'm going to take, you know, those practice reports with no pads on with a grain of salt. Like Moody's been, Moody's been impressive, but every conversation I've had is that 
with people within the organization, with people close to the organization, is that Moody is not, you know, he's not there for the starting job. And it seems to be very for the backup. I want to I want to bounce this off of you, and I'm I might be wrong on Dalton Reisner, but I know for a fact Gla- uh, Graham Glasgow hasn't been practicing in OTAs. Uh, I, I think yeah. Reisner has missed some time uh, as he's bouncing back from something that he's got going on. So Moody had the the opportunity, like the advantage of an opportunity to go out and show himself. I, I think that's where a lot of the hype is coming from, and you hear it all the time. It's a kind of a coach speak argument for the most part with, with Natani Moody right now, they're dangling somebody, somebody is out there and they've got, it's like the carrot and a stick argument and they've got a carrot right now. And they are trying to lead the the NFL into understanding they've got a guy that they're willing to move on from because of the investments that they did make in the offensive line. And Eric, it goes back to your point here, as far as the right tackle conversation is concerned with, uh, with Calvin Anderson, because if Calvin Anderson does win that right tackle job, you might have a potential long-term answer here. He's, uh, I think he's on a, uh, it's a one-year deal. I think is he still a uh, exclusive rights free agent? I, I'm forgetting myself here. Regardless, if Calvin Anderson wins that job, then you now have Billy Turner and Tom Compton, who you've brought in that can play the tackle position and you can play the guard position. You've got Graham Glasgow that can play. And there's a question in here about Graham Glasgow being a swing. He can play both guard positions and he can also play center for you. And you also have Quinn Miners here. So one of Natani Moody and uh, Dalton Reisner is a valuable trade asset for a guy that can play on both sides of the offensive line. They're very, very good players at the guard position in relative in relative terms and stuff like that. So one of those two guys is a, is a piece that you're going to dangle out there on the trade wire to see if you can't recoup some draft capital that you lost from the Russell Wilson trade. So to me, I I think that that's a very valuable conversation to have. And real quick, before we move on to running backs, the other part of this conversation, Jody says Reisner, because he has sucked the last two years, um, he did 29 or 2020 was a really bad year for him. 2020 really started off bad, but, um, towards the end of the season, I mean, he improved and Natani Moody, whenever he's taken the field has been far worse. I mean, he had a solid showing as a run, run blocker in his first game against Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. but I mean, you can put on the tape and you can watch him in pass protection and it was terrible. I mean, and then in the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders absolutely ate him up in the second game that year. Then last year, the Baltimore Ravens game. Like, if you want to, like, man, that that was terabad from Moody. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if we're just basing it off of what they've done already, I mean, neither one of them is really a great answer. But one of them, Reisner, has shown he can handle this kind of scheme, as he did in a rookie, and showed when Pat Shermer, you know, started changing up the running game offense last year, Show that he can still handle it. Being an inside zone scheme was not a fit for Reisner like it was for Moody. Mm-hmm. And also, too, is like talking about OTAs in minicamp, Natani Moody got a lot of um, got a praise for it. But one who also did was Dalton Reisner. I mean, there were multiple times Nathaniel Hackett also raved about what um, Dalton Reisner was doing in a limited basis because he was still working back from an injury that he wasn't fully go every single time. And so Moody got to step in. But I believe Tom Compton also got some time there at yeah. left guard. Mm-hmm. Billy Turner hasn't been able to practice. So, like, there's been multiple moving pieces there at left guard. And it, as you said, the trade bait, who's it going to be? There's a potential that it's Compton. 
Um, there's potential that it's Moody. It's potential that it's Reisner. I mean, Reisner is the one that they were actively looking at trading during the draft, and that's probably the one that they can probably get the most yes um, for out of it because there's a lot more with Reisner, too, that could potentially be on his way out. It's a lot more than play. Um, so we'll see how that happens. We'll see how things change over the coming weeks because being at training camp, you'll get a chance for these new – it'll be a chance for these new coaches to kind of answer those other questions. Right. And KB82 came in with a dollar nine and says, what's the chance that any Uwazarike takes a Jim spot? Well, for me right now, I have Uwazarike starting as the third defensive lineman. Um, I think a Jim makes the roster as well. Whoa. Whoa. Slow down for a second here. You have Uwazarike starting yes. as the third as a third defensive lineman. Yep. Okay, so let's let's run this down really fast. You've got obviously Draymond Jones, you're gonna get DJ Jones. Mm-hmm. So you think he's going to start as like a four I? Yes, as I have said consistently yeah. over the no, months. No, I, 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 yes, you and I, 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 yeah, I, I just, I, I would, thought that you would, I thought you would go um, more like a Deshaun Williams, maybe. No, no. I think Desha- you and I disagree on Wazarika. You think that he's more on the inside, you know, up to that TY. I think he can be that four I technique that we saw but, from Ashawn Robinson. Deshaun Williams, I think he can play out to that three, sometimes four I, but he's better in that zero to two I technique. But Kelvin Najim, I think right now is a passer specialist. Until I see otherwise with him against the run, I don't want him starting. Matt Henningson, Henningson is dealing with the injuries and stuff like that, so I haven't seen enough there for have for that. I mean, I haven't seen really much of Wazariki either, right. but of the role that they seem to be looking for, he's the best one that fits. Right. Um, I know it's a bit of a you know a bold take, I guess, because of uh, him being a rookie. But I don't think, I think a lot of us are accustomed to Vic Fangio not liking to play rookies right away. Right. Unless absolutely necessary. I don't think that's going to be the case with this coaching staff. And I think that if he goes out there and wins it, then it was, it is a Wazarike spot right now. I have it, but I mean, as an agribusiness expert with Alliant energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. I'm not saying there isn't a battle at the position still. Well, no, I, I, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm fully here for the discussion of Wazariki playing 4 I. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I, I loved him. I loved him as a three-tech. I thought that that was a great role for him. I thought as a 2-I, he would probably be – that's where he would be his best because he can take advantage of slower centers off the snap. But I'm here for him as a 4-I. I, I'm here. Like, I, watching him at Iowa State and his ability to jump from uh, the zero – all the way out. He played it as a seven technique defensive end. Like th- this guy is incredibly athletic. He's fluid. He moves so well. I love that. I'm just kind of surprised that you went with him as your starter, as the third defensive lineman. To me, that's, that's spicy. I, I'm here for it though. I like, I, I like this take. I like your thinking behind this. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just the fact it's just the fact that I'm looking at what they seem to be looking for on the defensive line. Right. Who fits. Um it, it matters. And Jody says when you're in two four two five, who cares about the three DL? Um well, it's just semantics. Four two five. I'll I'll keep saying this, I'll keep pounding it. You have your defensive lineman, you have your edges, you have your linebacker, the old three four, four three, four two five, all that. It's just outdated. Yeah. Um the, and that kind I, of that kind of lingo just needs to outside of very like basic generic stuff like it's not worth it well, um then will likely run a lot of two defensive linemen two edges one linebacker like that'll be that'll be a lot of what they run right. there'll be a lot of three down linemen two edges two linebackers like they're gonna mix it up right. i think their base will be somewhere that is re- somewhat resembles a three four for you know the generic term but two of those linebackers are going to be edges so it's really going to be five men on the five men on the trench two in linebackers so I, I guess that that's – I wanted to go back to this a little bit. And and I understand where you're coming from as far as getting uh, Awazirike on the field and whatnot with um, – uh, as far as that third defensive lineman, hand-down defensive lineman. Where would you put him if they go for uh, like a, a, a true two-down lineman, two-edge defenders, that 4-2-5 look? Would he be that, that first – substitute on the field in like that sub package or do you think that he could actually because of his versatility on the offensive line or the defensive line being able to play all the way from zero to seven do you think that he's going to line up as that three technique opposite of Draymond and and, and like a four eye like is that something you could do and Phil Phil McLaughlin jumping in here with a with a quick stars donation we appreciate you Phil for doing that Uh, and thank you for joining us on the show but like Awazirike and Draymond Jones I'm here for this tandem I'm I'm so because the length, the physicality, the burst, the ability to get after the passer, splitting guards and centers, getting between guards and tackles. Do you think that um, Awazirike may line up as that four eye to Draymond Jones at a three or maybe reverse those roles a little bit as far as seeing those two players on the field the majority of the time for the defensive line at a four two five alignment? Well, I think if you're going with that two down lineman look, I think that it's going to be Jones and Jones more so than okay, okay, Wazariki because Jones does have that. I don't like him, you know, farther out, but that three technique, that two technique, like I like him there. And then he he still offers that run defense that you're not caught looking. And then you have Draymond Jones with the pass rusher ability, and then you can add in a little bit more, um, you know, uh huh, edges. You can get more right. creative with your pass rush looks, right? Um, but. In two down looks with Uwazirike and Draymond Jones, um, I would I would expect you know kind of a similar thing. Uwazirike because he's got that bigger, he's got a little bit more strength um, to handle the run run defense aspect of it. He can be that two that two I three that two technique. Whereas Draymond Jones, I think he's going to be pretty consistently as that five technique four technique kind of right. guy. And, and that's that's a that's a fair a fair evaluation of the situation. I'm. I'm learning so much this year because I'm really trying to focus more on defensive alignment and football. Um, I'm going to get started a lot earlier this year on my, on my draft preparation and stuff like that. I'm really making a conscientious effort of trying to just get better at my analysis after some criticism for me over the last couple of weeks has, has kind of arisen. So I love hearing more of the way that you look at football and stuff. So I, I really appreciate this conversation. Uh, Travis Weber jumping in here saying, I know that this is a contract year for Bradley Chubb, but I can see him being shopped if Baron Browning shines at the edge. I don't know about being shopped because while Bradley Chubb has 
really failed to live up to his expectation as the number five overall pick back in 2018. I, I'm here for that conversation. There's still an incredible value for a player like him. He's he's been nicked up. He tore his ACL. He had the uh, um, he had the the bone spurs in both ankles this last season, and he just hasn't really seen the field. But when he's healthy, he plays as a top probably 12, I would say, edge defender in the NFL. Go back to his rookie season. He had, what, 12 and a half sacks or something like that. And then the year he had uh, after the uh, the torn ACL, his third season, he was number seven in total pressures on the quarterback. I think he had seven and a half sacks as well to go along with that. To me, there's still a lot of value for a guy that you have, like, like a Bradley Chubb. Because teams have to respect that. And when he's healthy, he plays at an incredibly, incredibly high level. To shop him right now, I think is a bad move. I think it would be more prudent to just let him play out this season and go into the offseason and find out if he plays very well this year, you still have the franchise tag. You can slap him with the franchise tag, make him prove it again, and then work into a conversation about re-signing him. I also have a lot of reservations about Bradley Chubb because I don't know that that's going to happen. If he does play at a high level, you can slap the franchise tag on him. He's going to ask for a whole bunch of money. You're going to see him walk after next year anyways. If he doesn't play at a high level, you're not going to get any trade value for a guy that's always injured and doesn't play at a high level. Like there's, that's just the basic facts of the life in the NFL. So to me, I don't do anything with Chubb until after this season's over. Eric, what do you think? Um, I don't think anything will happen with Chubb during the season. Um, based off of what has been said by both Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton, they want to see them out there on the field. They want to see um, all this other stuff for it. Um, real quick, Jody says, you can't trade Chubb knowing Gregory might start on Pup. doesn't sound like he'll start on Pup. Like, it doesn't. Um, it sounds like that he'll be... Question: what? Where did you hear? Where did you hear that? Is that conversations you've had, or did you see a report on that? Because I haven't seen any reporting on that. It's just I was, re- I mean, reading Mike Kliss's initial report on it. I mean, okay. it sounds like that he's going to be part of practices and everything. He just won't play any preseason games. He's okay. they're just going to take it easy before first week of the game, first gotcha. before game one. Gotcha. Um, so it just doesn't sound like it's you know it's he's not still injured. To where he's going to start on the pup, it's that he can go. They just want to give him a little bit extra time with some limitations in training camp and stuff like that. Right. Okay. You know, not giving him full time. But anyways, going back to the rest of it with Bradley Chubb, um, if it's a disappointing season, if it's if Denver's like you know has two wins, three wins by the time the trade deadline is, maybe they shop Chubb then. But it'll take something disappointing. I think at the very least he'll make it through the season. They'll and then they'll, they'll discuss what they want to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they decide they want to move on, if they still place a franchise tag on him and then try to trade him off that. Or I, from I can, that, yeah, which I can is see a possibility. It. But I think I think that if he does well enough, I think that it's going to be a thing of they want to keep him. That seems to be what it is. It, it depends on the cost value on that one. And, and I really want to see it. Like I said, I want to wait until after the season to see what actually happens here. If he plays at a high level, I'm all for a, a, the franchise tag. At least do that. Keep him around at least for the for this next season, 2023. But it, but it has to be double digit sacks, high productivity. You know, a fully yeah. healthy season would definitely help with that. But I'm not giving him 16 million dollars a season for him to go out and not play at a 
relatively high level, at least push for double digit sacks. I, like I, I'm thinking 10 sacks at least would be the, the point where I would be willing to do something like that. Because if nothing I, else, you're if nothing else, and hear me out on this one, if nothing else, someone's going to overvalue the fact that he was a the, the former number five overall pick that has a pedigree of being an elite pass rusher, at least at some point, someone's going to take a flyer on him and you're going to get a compensatory pick for him regardless. It may not be a three because he's not going to demand that high value contract unless he has a big season. $16 million, I... I can, I can understand where you would like be enticed by that. And I don't know where, what the going market is right now, but like, you're going to have to show me a lot to be able for me to have that. I would rather take the draft pick, rebuild the roster and move forward. If that's where it, where it came down to, if you're not giving me 10 sacks this year, I would move forward in a different direction. Well, I mean, of course, production matters, cost matters and everything. Cause I wouldn't, if he gets hurt again, I wouldn't Randy Gregory him where we no. don't get to see him on the field for there and still give him $14 million a year. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. We already took the risk with that once. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so of course there's other aspects to it. I mean, depending on what he gets uh, for me, I, I always look at the pressures before pressures more than sacks really. I mean, yeah. for me, it's a little bit more valuable. Sacks are huge, but pressures um, are also are great in their own way. Um, so it depends on all that, of course, and depending on what it does, um, or depending on how he does, it could be, and Jody says, Eric, if you trade Chubb today, what do you get for him? Five at best. Um, with how pass rushers are, I could see some team being desperate enough to throw maybe a fourth and another pick, if not a third his way. I mean, just because of the fact that pass rushers are so valuable, he's still relatively cheap for this year. Yes, there's a, there's a lot of risk to it, but. Teams have shown that they're a little bit willing to do that. They're a little bit willing to take that risk. Yep. Um, but I just don't think that Denver will listen to it. I mean, really, I don't think that Well, um, I don't think they're open to trading him because they, it seems to be very concrete that Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory are going to be the starters. Yep. Just quickly here, I want to, first off, Phil jumping in with another Generous Stars donation. And thank you, Phil, again, for joining us tonight. I really appreciate your support. We all do here at Mile High Huddle. And and again, thank you for that. I want to give a quick shout out to D Money, who threw this comment in here just a little bit ago. Finally caught one live. Big smiles all the way around. And thank you, D Money, for coming in and joining us. We appreciate you here. Uh, There was a question you had a little a little bit later than that. And I, I, I can't find that for some reason. Apologies, but thank you D money for jo- joining in here. The other aspect of this conversation, going back to um, going back to Bradley Chubb. And as far as him being traded, at least in this season is the fact that the edge depth for this team is a massive, massive question mark. I mean, Malik Reed, we kind of know what he is, and that's not it, guys. Like, he's not it as far as a full-time starter in this league. Uh, you've got Jonathan Cooper, who played fairly well, at least down the stretch of the last season. Um, but then, I mean, Nick Benito is another guy there. They, they obviously, is second-round draft pick from this last uh, NFL draft. There's a big question mark of who is the guy to, to step up and, and be a starter Bradley Chubb, at least you know that when he's healthy, he has a high potential of being a high-quality player in the NFL. You know Jonathan Cooper isn't it, at least right now. You know Malik Reed isn't it, at least right now. And you have no idea with Nick Benito. Why are you moving on from at least your second-best pass rusher, if not your first-best pass rusher, 
throughout the season unless somebody shows up and shows that they have the ability to play at that full-time starter capability. And the only one that you can say that for right now, based on what we've seen is Nick Benito. Like we haven't seen him on the field. He's going to have to come out and show an incredibly high level of play to dethrone Bradley Chubb to begin with. So this conversation to me is at least a moot point. I, I understand where it's coming from, but I don't think that there's any basis in reality. And I apologize for coming at you like that. Um, I was going to disagree with one thing he said. Okay. Is that we don't know what Malik Reed is at this point. No, we do know what Malik Reed is at this point. Right. So I misspoke. <laughs> I, I misspoke on that. We, we do know what Malik Reed is at this point. That's the only disagreement I have. We know he ain't it. We know he's not starter quality despite his experience. We know at best he should be the fourth string edge defender. But moving on to running backs to finish this out. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a similar conversation as the quarterback one. It's not so much the starters or even the second guy. We know it's going to be Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. We know we know those are your top two guys. Mike Boone seems to be poised for that third spot. There's a slight competition from Crockett and McAllister. But the, my bigger question is, do they keep four? And I'm not counting fullbacks on here because fullback for me, it's tight ends. You're going to rotate them over. You're going to mm -hmm. sub them out. That's what Green Bay did a lot. Like That's just becoming the trend of it. Fullbacks are starting to make a little bit of a rise, but it's for very certain schemes, and it doesn't seem to be what Hackett's bringing over. Otherwise, we would have a full-time fullback. Right. Um, so for me, it's that that's the conversation is, is three actually Boone and is there a fourth one kept? I, I think that, I think Boone has that one locked up based on, oh, let, let's pause for a second. Cause we got a, a big off the top rope super chat here from Anthony Edwards throwing down $20 and Anthony, thank you for your support, man. We really appreciate that. Um, what do you two think of Tom Compton starting at left guard? I know we want to see Reisner succeed, uh, but isn't Tom Compton a better run blocker? And Reisner was not great at pass pro last year. Thanks for the hard work you guys put in and go Broncos. And Anthony, thank you for that. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, if I remember correctly, Tom Compton, when he was playing right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, was graded as, uh, I think he was the top graded run blocking right tackle in the NFL or up at the top. What well, Eric, your second, second best. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think you have an argument here. I, I really do. I think that the argu argument is between Compton and Reisner at left guard, unless Billy Turner gets inserted into the conversation, which is very well possible. Um, go back just a little bit into the show. Come back and watch this again. We kind of broke this down a little bit uh, about a half an hour ago or something like that. Eric, do you have anything to add on this really fast? Um. Compton has always been consistently worse on the left side than he has on the right side. And that includes that guard. Um, he's a great run blocker, um, but he was still always better on the right side. He was the second best compared second best run blocking offensive tackle last year behind his teammate, Trent Williams. Um, and for me, Dalton Reisner last year, I mean, he allowed four sacks. Um, two of them were the quarterback were 100% on the quarterback um, running into the guy that he, who was engaged with Dalton Reisner, but Dalton Reisner, last year and the year before had good years in pass protection. It was the running aspect of it. He didn't fit the running scheme of it. Um, Dalton Reisner was good as a pass blocker last year, pretty consistently throughout his improvement came towards the end of the season as a run block when they changed up the scheme a little bit. Um, so I, th I mean, I think there's a chance for Compton. I think that he is part of that conversation there. Um, I just think that Billy Turner and maybe Graham Glasgow a little bit more so, depending on what they do with Glasgow. I mean, if he's still, if he ends up taking that starting center job, then obviously not. But Compton, 
from based off conversations, based off of my watching them, based off of just my assumptions as well here, is um, that uh, Tom Coughlin was just brought in to bring additional depth at four positions. Um, and on this, Jody, again, with his, you know, he, he's moved on from the left tackle to the left guard, Jody. <laughs> like, next year is it going to be going to center? <laughs> we can prepare for that. Um, Jody comes up and right back a lot um not in pass protection and not really on the running game either it was just the fact that he couldn't stay keep up and or uh, stay strong at the point of attack in the running game and he was just able to get blown by he wasn't on his back a lot well but i, I want to go ahead get, we got the running back position before we get out of here okay um, uh so i i want to i where i left off here was as far as mike boone is concerned i i think that he is probably the guy that you're going to look at as the number three running back um this is george payton's guy he was george payton's guy back in minnesota when he was uh the assistant gm to uh rick spielman back that uh, a few years ago and mike boone when he's on the field is actually a high quality running back he played really well against kansas city the problem is last year we didn't get to see him actually play because he was hurt the vast majority of the year he tore his quad muscle in uh, ironically the uh, preseason practices against the Minnesota Vikings. He missed a lot of time. Demaria Crockett. I think there's some value to have a player like him because he's just a tough runner. That dude puts his head down and he just goes North and South. There's no debate about his ability as a, as a runner, because again, he's just so tough. He runs so hard. He's hard to take down. Um, he bounces off of tacklers a lot. The problem is he's terrible in pass protection and he's not a receiver by any stretch of the imagination. If you're going to see a fourth running back on this team, you also want to see somebody in, in special teams play. And I, while Mike Boone, I, I think he's a fantastic special teams player. We all, we already know that. In fact, he's brought in potentially as a, a kick returner, like kickoff returner for this team. So Mike Boone has that spot secured to me. If you're going to see a fourth running back, they better play special teams and they better play special teams at a high level. And Eric, I'm going to defer to you on this conversation because I don't know what Demaria Crockett is capable of on special teams. I mean, that's going to be key here. And um, Scott makes the point of that. Uh, Mike Boone has only 75 carries and it does. I mean, he does seem to have in Bronco fans. He seems to have taken this higher status than what he's really earned up to this point in his career. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. he's he's an explosive running back, but he just hasn't. He, the opportunities haven't been there, and they haven't been there for a reason. Um, I like him in this scheme. That's going to try to get him in space a little bit more often. The few times he got those carries, well in Minnesota, I mean, he did well with them. Um, but it's going to be it's for me that third and fourth running back spot is does is a lot of what do you bring on special teams. Um, Mike Boone, I think he, had bring, he he brings a decent amount as a returner with the skill set that he has. Um, and then uh, I think that Crockett also brings a decent amount as a gunner type. Um, but I don't think that they keep four running backs because of this, because because that this is an offense that can be pretty easy and beneficial for any any kind of running back. Um and it's a position that is really easy to bring into the NFL. I mean, bring up off the street, you can go out there and you can have pretty standard or pretty consistently a pretty solid game. Um, so I don't think they keep, I don't think they keep three. And I think Mike Boone is, a, or keep four. And I think that Mike Boone is that third one. Um, McAllister, um, 
he had a really good training camp, but that is a that is a situation where it's going to benefit him because no pads are on, limited contact. Like, and he's a speed search type. He's a guy that's going to make people miss. So when there's no contact, when you got to kind of when you got to be careful, pull up. I mean, it's going to benefit him. Crockett's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit of a stronger guy, a stronger running back, and he could be good in certain situations. But I think that with this offense, with what we've seen Hackett, is they want more explosive ability. Right. And Mike Boone brings that yes. with his skill set more than Crockett does. Um, and real quick, just to touch back on it, because I finally found what I was looking for. Um, last year in pass block win, win rate, Dalton Reisner was 10th amongst all NFL guards. So. Yeah, it, it was never about uh, pass block, uh, the pass blocking ability of Dalton Reisner. It's always been the run blocking that he's had issues with. And running straight forward and cracking domes is not his, his style. He played a lot better in the Rich Gangarello scheme. We talked about that last week um, to get back to our conversation here. So I, I, apologies for that. Uh, Scott comes at us in the private chat. And Scott, I'm not calling you out here by any stretch of imagination, but he's like $2 million for a special teams player. Like, no, no way. I, I don't view Boone as just that special teams player. I think that there is an opportunity, and Eric kind of touched on it a little bit as far as the explosive ability that Mike Boone brings to this roster. I, I think that there there's something there with his ability to catch the, the football out of the backfield. He's a fairly decent pass protector as well from what I've seen in the limited times that he's actually been out there to do that. And there's not a lot of whole a whole lot of touches to come for a third running back, especially in this scheme, especially when you have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And I, Eric, you touched on it a little bit ago um, in terms of him not getting the opportunities. He was behind Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison in Minnesota for th- four years, three years, however long he's been in the NFL. Now he's behind another dynamic one-two punch. He's just never gotten a full opportunity because of the situation surrounding him. Granted, if you're cream, you rise to the top and you should be able to do that. However, this is a high quality football player, guys. Like in terms of forget the running back position, forget just the skill the skill set that it takes to play the position itself. Mike Boone's a football player. Like that guy likes to hit. He likes to be physical. He likes to go out and go make plays. And every time he's on the field, he takes advantage of that and he does that. He makes plays every time he's around the football. To me, to get rid of a player like a Mike Boone, regardless of the cost, would be a mistake. Because what what are we doing here? We're playing football. You want the best I, football players. And Demario Crockett, I think, is a lesser football player than Mike Boone is. Okay, so a few things on there. Mike Boone hates contact. I mean, you can watch that with his style. He wants to make people miss. I mean, he's a speedster. He's, I'm going to make you miss. I'm going to run by you. That's his style. Okay. He's... Not, I mean, not that he's not a football player, but he doesn't like to be this physical guy. He's like 200 pounds sopping wet. Right. I mean, and then you have Crockett who is cheaper and that this is, I was wanting to make this point earlier. I got sidetracked, but I'll say it multiple times. Cost does have to play a factor in this because you do have a contract coming up with Russell Wilson. So you have to cut these extra costs, being able to add more cap this year that you can roll over, help ease that hit and everything like that. Getting rid of Mike Boone brings you more money on the long run. Right. And it's this thing of how much better of a football player is he than Crockett? How much more does he have to offer the team than Crockett? And I think on offense, I think his explosive ability offers a little bit more than Crockett does. But I don't think that that's the case on special teams. Mike Boone's play on special teams would be as a returner where you have Montreal Washington, where you have KJ Hammer, where you have all these other guys. 
you need more guys to go out there and you know be that physical tackler guy, right. and that is more Crockett style. So I do still think that the third spot is Mike Boone's, but I don't think that it's you know, I, I don't think that it's one hundred percent set. Obviously, and Crockett can definitely go up and ease over it. And going back to the chat real quick, Jody seems to have gone backwards and is now going after running backs. Uh, <laughs> saying, do you see Gordon being a cancer if he starts losing a decent amount of touches to it? Um, the whole aspect of Melvin Gordon being a cancer is super overblown. Every player has different issues with different things out of it, and it always happens. And then he sees Gordon getting released midseason. Um, I will 100% guarantee that he does not get released midseason. I'm gonna like, echo. either he doesn't make this roster to begin with, or he's there for the season. And I doubt he doesn't make the roster. Yeah, I, I'm and I'm going to agree with you on that one, Eric, because Melvin Gordon, we, we just saw this play out in, in the Denver media. I'll get to you, Travis, here in just a second. We just saw this play out with Melvin Gordon in the in the media where there was a, an article written by the Denver Post of all places saying that Melvin Gordon, like depending on who you talk to, Melvin Gordon is a great asset, but there's also the fact that he's a bad teammate. He went after, like came out in the media and is like, I'm going to attack this and say, no, no, ask any of my former teammates and they will all tell you I'm a great teammate. Do not mm. ever say that about me. Like the guy wants to work. He wants to get his touches. He doesn't want to take a backseat to anybody. But what do you expect from a professional football player? Their shelf life is limited regardless if he's playing the running back position or not. You don't have a long life in the NFL period. The average NFL career ends after two and a half seasons. The fact he's made it eight years shows the fact that he's a fighter and he wants to play well and he wants to get his opportunities to go. He's not going to take a backseat to anybody. I hate that. I hate that argument so much. And I'm okay. sorry for going on the rant. I, I do apologize, um, for that, but damn, I hate that. I hate that comment that he's going to be a cancer because he has never been that ever in his football career, period. And Gurley's right. Palmer actually with the reason came in and stated the reasons flat out why I have Mike Boone as my third running back. He is George Payton's guy. Yeah. Like that that plays such a factor into it. That is why that he seems to be there. George Payton seems to believe in him, and I think that will have an impact on it. Yeah. Um I... so and uh Jody says, but has Gordon ever been running back too? Yeah, he was last year. Yes, he lost he the starting job to Javante Williams. They each had nine hundred and what three carries last it was, year. It was two hundred and three carries or two hundred and three carries, one for like nine hundred and eight yards, one for like nine sixteen. Or yep. something like that. Sorry. It was it was literally a, an exact 50-50 split. Travis Weber, uh, last <laughs> one tonight. Let's get out of here before we get any more heated. Sorry, that you get heated. I'm having fun. Off. I, I'm having a lot of fun too. This has been a really good show, by the way. I, I, the interaction's been great. And Travis, last one here, guys. Uh Travis Weber jumping in. Great show tonight, guys. And thank you. And sorry for jumping around in the chat. Uh, enjoy your weekend and go Broncos. Yes, absolutely. Eric, do you got anything you want to grab out of the chat before I do the last few matters of business here? Um, I do got to agree with Scott and Alan here about those 19 touches and the way you talk about Mike Boone. You do make it seem like that he's a Hall of Fame caliber player no, off these few touches whoa, that he's had. Whoa, whoa, that, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you do, though. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that it's intentional or that you think he is. It's just that you really do like fight to like tooth and nail for how good Mike Boone is for 75 total touches in his career. I, I understand that. And um, yes, I, 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 I get that. I maybe be a little bit over the top here, but I'm just not a believer in Demaria Crockett. I, I, and it goes back to several reasons you, you would said he's an explosive playmaker and he's a guy that want, it, I, I may have misspoke a little bit about him being like super physical. I, I liked it on special teams because he does like to go crack heads. 
He is an elusive playmaker, though. He's a guy that it's he is explosive, and every time that he touches the football, he plays really well. And I, I go back to the one time that we watched him in a starting role when Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison were both out. Uh, it was a late game, a late season game for the Minnesota Vikings. He ran for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Like the guy has playmaking ability in him, and I, I don't yeah. want to lessen the roster and the overall depth of this roster by moving on from a guy that yeah he's, he makes a lot of money, and I'm I'm here for this conversation. Two million dollars or whatever the hell his contract is for this year is that's a lot of money for a third running back and a special teams player. But again, it goes back to you need guys that know how to play football and play football at a high level, and Mike Boone just does that, and I'm not yeah. sure that Demaria Crockett has that ability to do so. And all joking aside about how you make Mike Boone out to be on those 75 touches and everything, he has touches in the NFL. Yes. That is something that Crockett doesn't have outside of exactly. Preseason. That is something that McAllister doesn't have at all uh, outside of practices, which we're not, we don't count practice. No one talks about practice. Practice is stupid. There's no reason for, anyways. Um, so at least he has that. And from a veteran standpoint, he has that edge over a guy who he's not a rookie, but Crockett just doesn't have that experience. Play style is going to matter here a little bit. We're going to find answers to this over the preseason, over training camp. And I am curious to see how much George Payton's voice will go into making the 53-man roster as well, because I think that will play a big factor in some of these battles, if he does have a voice. Well, and I I think that Mike Boone is the one that you're really going to have to watch out for on this one. Uh, The other one, and we've gone over this back and forth multiple times. We'll go over it again here in a couple weeks. Michael Ojemudia. Michael Ojemudia is not a guy that George Payton has any ties to. It, it, while I think that he is cornerback four on this roster, I think that he's played well enough to, to do that. Mike or George Payton went out and drafted Damari Mathis for a reason. He values cornerback play. Because he went out and got blessed on complete us. Yes. Ass and he values cornerbacks. Well, but still, <laughs> there, there's also bless on Austin that you have to talk about. They went and, and brought him in in free agency. That just the so just how much the of that? So here's my counterpoint. How much of that was George Payton? How much of that is the coaching staff? Because I know for a fact this coaching staff loves Michael Ojemudia. Right. Bless mm-hmm. on Austin was a thing to help add to the depth of this mm-hmm. before they were able to go and draft Damari Mathis in the draft where you have no idea of how you're going to draft for a general manager who has made it very clear what he feels about taking corners, who was very obvious whenever you looked at what Minnesota did during his time there, about how much value there was there. I don't think it at all is the same situation as Michael Ojemudi as it is with Mike Boone, because there's a huge difference here. The de- defensive coordinator was a guy who wanted Michael Ojemudi. George Payton has spoken in praise of Michael Ojemudi. He was disappointed he didn't get to see Michael Ojemudi out there on the field last year. He mentioned that a few times. So I don't think that the situation here is the same. I think a better um, aspect of this is Jonathan Cooper, That's an fair. edge defender who was George, who was one of George Payton's guys that he went out there and drafted, who is fighting for a roster spot. How much is that going? How as much is George Payton going to be George Payton's guy going to play into that depth spot at edge? Because realistically, you're talking about a fourth cornerback that's not quite a starter, but close enough to a starter on a defense with how much you rotate and move around your corners. Right. Your fifth edge is is a special teams guy. That's more comparable to Mike Boone. Right. Well, Anyways, we got to get out of here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to dunk so hard when OJ Moody gets traded. I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> anyways, guys. If he does get traded, that just speaks to the value that he has that another team wanted him to where they traded him. So I would still be right. 
Oh, dude, no, you're not going <laughs> to twist this. Absolutely not. After all that I've said about how Michael Ojemudi is the guy to watch out for to move, and you uh, no, mm -mm, don't you? No, care. no, no. You were saying Michael Ojemudi is uh, is the guy to watch to get cut, not I, traded. I did, you were specifying I did, I cut did take or cut. a song bossy. Take us out of here. Take us out of here. All righty, guys. Thank you all for uh, joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Got a lot of great comments coming in here. Great show tonight from Michael Ronquillo, uh, Dylan Von Arsh, great conversation. Gary Leeds Palmer, great show, guys, as well. Um, thank you all again for joining us. It was a great show, a lot of fun. I cannot wait to get into the wide receiver conversation because that one's going to be really fun. Um, tight ends as well, um, potentially offensive linemen next week as well. We're going to break this entire 53-man roster over the next – what three, maybe four weeks, maybe cut her down to three, something like that. Something like that. We'll, uh, we'll keep you guys all up to date guys. The easiest way to do that, follow us on, uh, on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric trickle. And also big shout out to Scott Kennedy behind the scenes, running the ones and twos, helping produce the show at scout Kennedy. Also guys, um, at DVDD underscore pod. That's where you're going to find out how we're going to break down this 53-man roster over the next couple of weeks. Um, at Mile High Huddle, that's the mother account where you guys get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. Um, also, guys, I, I know we're, we're, we don't have to, to read this and whatnot. Please, guys, go to manscaped.com. When you check out, use promo code MHH to get 20% off and free shipping. Like th Their products are awesome. We've talked about them a long time here, doing a promo again on Twitter and whatnot. But manscaped.com, uh, great stuff to, to help you guys looking great from head to toe. Go over there and check that out, guy, that out guys. And also, while you're at it, please, uh, huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent. You guys get yourself a hat, get yourself a t-shirt. There's a coffee cup. There's um, there's onesies for your kids. There's teddy bears, something for the guys, something for the gals, anything to suit your guys' mile-high huddle fancy or Denver Broncos fancy, to, to tell you the, the truth. HuddleUpPod.com, great way to support the show. Help us kind of get out there a little bit more and, and help um, – you know, just promote what we do here, do here at Mile High Huddle. Um, guys, if you're not financially able to do so, there are three things that you all can do every single day. It does not matter whether you guys are on any social media platform, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, subscribe to Mile High Huddle, please. It helps so much. Helps us get out there in front of as, as many people as possible, especially if you like the video and you share it. Because without your guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric. Ugh, let me catch my breath really fast. But I have to ask you before we get out of here, any last words, dude? No, I got to get out of here, and I hope everybody enjoys the weekend and stay safe. Yeah, please, guys, stay out of the heat. It's been a brutal heat wave across the pretty much the entire United States for, for the most part. It's been brutal here, um, brutal pretty much everywhere. Stay out of the heat. Stay hydrated. Enjoy your weekend. Please stay safe. And as always, take care. We will see you guys same time, same place next weekend. As always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. 
Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.